Well, hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Okay, so today I have a guy with a stick bow. Yep, um, his name is Josh Neal, and he goes uh, under the handle a guy with a stick bow, and uh, which is one of the reasons I started uh, following him and, and seeing some of the stuff that he's uh, putting out on Instagram and stuff. And um, yeah, you know, just wanted to, just like any other any other guest, I kind of wanted to get to know him a little bit better. Didn't really know much about him. Uh, he's putting out a lot of a lot of cool stuff about like his his journey, like like trying out new things and learning uh, new things. He's I'm I'm gonna say he's relatively new to traditional uh, traditional archery, just just like me. I, I would consider myself, you know, like uh, you, you know, under five years kind of thing. The same you know in the same kind of boat. Uh, he's had some success. He uh, he lives in Oklahoma, but he uh, I think. Uh, we, we get into talking about some of his elk hunts and things like that, where he used to uh, live and work in Colorado, um, and he, uh, yeah, I mean he, he's 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 a kind of like a lifelong hunter, but the archery thing and uh, especially the, the traditionally ar- traditional archery thing didn't come along until until later. So he's kind of on uh, you know his own journey with uh, trying out different weapons, trying out uh, you know different different bows, that kind of stuff. And we get into yeah, just kind of all of it, you know, his uh, his his history hunting, um, his uh, his trips that he takes, uh, some successes that he's had, some failures that he's had, um, all the different stuff that he's trying, whether it's you know stands or uh, mobile hunting or saddles or shooting a uh, you know shooting a longbow or, or any of that stuff. So really good conversation. I'm glad, I'm glad we, uh, we got to, we got to chit chat. So um, other than that, there's really not a whole lot to uh, fill you in for you guys, fill you guys in about. This is, I'm recording this on May, May 9, I guess. Yeah, May 9. So, uh, yes, I do. I've been shooting my Pacific stick, by the way. I got the string in from uh, Trevor Fielder and just, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but, um, just like I, I suspected, the, uh, the D97 string, the new one, completely changed the characteristics of this bow. Um, my arrows that were a little bit too stiff, even 600s, they were a little bit too stiff with a ton of front weight on there. Um, and I don't like running a ton of front weight because it makes the, it, 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 it gets like weird arrow flight for me, especially like knock high. Um, it just makes tuning not as smooth. I know downrange, it's supposed, it, it flies better, um, but just off the shelf launching, you know, it, it's just not as, as, as I, I don't like going down that like crazy, crazy high FOC path. I just found that I don't, I don't like the way they, they, they come off the bow. So anyway, um, now I am shooting the 500 spine, a little bit longer, like 30 and a half inch, with just the standard uh, aluminum uh, RPS uh, Eastern RPS insert, which I don't even know how much they weigh. I gotta, I'm, I'm so like not up up on the weights of any of the, the inserts and unibushings and that kind of stuff. Um, I could tell you all the, the the details about carbon arrows and everything else I've been running with the gold tips, but I have no idea what the weights of these other ones are. But I think they're like 20 something grain maybe. Um, and uh, and I'm running a 200 grain tip, and it comes in at 560 grains. And I was out shooting today, and man, it uh, it's 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 awesome. I don't know if uh, between the last episode and now, um, if I mentioned that or not, but I do have a video out there with the old string. And it's on the Bohoning Soul YouTube channel. If you guys aren't subscribed to that, I greatly appreciate it. If you just go subscribe to that, like you know, right now, leave a rating, leave comments. Um, I'm on TikTok too, so I came on, I got onto TikTok. We mentioned that in this episode. Uh, again, Bohoning Soul. I'm just putting out little short stuff here and there. I'm just trying to do like little, little tiny, you know, social media uh, blurbs or whatever content here and there, wherever I can. Uh, YouTube Shorts, that kind of stuff. So it's been, it's been kind of fun trying out some new stuff. But anyway, I'm, I'm loving this bow. I, it's, it's tuned. 
Um, I'm staring at it right now. I shot it today. It is, uh, it's shooting like a dream. I had no idea that an ASL uh, could shoot this well. Um, totally comfortable, no hand shock, uh, feels incredible in the hand. It, it draws smooth, it shoots amazing, it, you know, hits hard. There's, there's no vibration, no thump, no shock, no nothing. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed how, how incredible this bow shoots, and I'm, I'm really, really happy with, uh, with this one. Um, to the point that, you know, I, I, I think at this point I can almost, well, actually, yeah, I can probably shoot it as good as my other bows hanging on the wall over here, which, which is saying something. Not that I'm saying I'm like a great shot, but I'm saying that I have the confidence with, with this ASL that I do with the Elkhart and with the Grizzly, which those both of those bows are like kind of fuzzy bunny slippers to me, and I, and I, and I love them. Um, <clears throat> and the confidence I have shooting this, this ASL, uh, again, I'm talking like 15, you know, sub 15 yards, but I mean, out to 20 yards even, uh, it's, it's, it just points so natural and, and hits so natural. Um, I had I had no idea that that could exist. I, I'm really really blown away. So um, anyway, a, a longer, more in depth review on this thing, you know, is is to come. So uh, let's see what else. Other than that, nope, no luck with turkeys. I haven't even seen a turkey. No, that's a lie. I saw a turkey hen crossing the parking lot while I was sitting there looking at Onyx maps, trying to see where I can go next. Uh, last week I I took you know it was another one of those days where I went from I went to three different spots where I had seen turkeys you know historically in, in the past several years and have had encounters. Had zero I've had zero I mean zero encounters other than that one hen walking across the parking lot. Go figure. So um, yeah I'm only kind of getting out like once a week maybe at this point and. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether I said this last year too, but I don't know whether the populations are down or or if I'm just making excuses and they're just not out midday. But uh, the weather's finally turned warm. It was like 80 something degrees today. That's just disgusting at this time of the year now. I'm 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 basically I'm dreaming about October. I, I've checked out as far as uh, you know temperature wise. I really like the long uh, you know long drawn out winter. You know when spring just didn't kind of show up for the entire month month of April even. We had snow. It was fantastic. I loved it. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to change anything with uh, uh, with the turkey movement or whatever, but I have to the end of the month, so I'm hoping to get out a few more times. And um, yeah, other than that, man, I'm just like I'm literally as I'm talking right now, I'm staring at this wall with these these beautiful bows on here, and um, you know, I'm I'm considering myself lucky that that I have such you know that that well that I have stuff from such great craftsmen hanging on the wall up here. Um, whether it's history with the bears or uh, just you know beautiful customs from uh, you know Greg Coffey and Eric Hoff over here, these are just 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 gorgeous. So you know I'm 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 a happy guy. I, I love shooting these things. So um, I hope you guys are getting out uh, shooting, even if you are or not are or are not having success in uh, in the turkey woods. Um, you know I know 3D season's coming around. I don't get a chance to sh you know, to do that, but there's so much stuff to do outside. There's so you know there's there's a ton of stuff. So grab your bow, go 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 shoot something, go go shoot stumps. It's uh it's it's just a blast. So, anywho, uh, rambled long enough. I don't really have anything else other than that. Other than um. I guess we can just get right back into uh, this episode. I hope you guys like it. Interesting guy. Go uh, go give uh, uh, go give him a follow, and uh, make sure you like, share, and subscribe this episode. This is uh, really really huge. And again, please go uh, subscribe to the Boning Soul podcast. Follow you know TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. So I'm gonna try and hit hit all that stuff uh, a little bit harder uh, in the next coming months. So, all right. With that said, here is my interview with Josh Neal. It should stay on your screen. It's, it's recording. Yeah, yes it does. 
Perfect. All right. So, uh, Josh Neal, right? Yeah, that's that, it. I can't screw up that. I screw up other people's names. If I screw up Josh Neal, I'm, I'm in trouble. So, um, <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on Boating Soul Podcast. This is your first time, you said, right, on any podcast. So, I, uh, I feel honored that uh, you, you do one on this one. I appreciate it. It was funny when you asked me to do one. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if I have much to bring to the table, but that sounds fun. You know, a lot of people say that too. They're like, man, I don't know how interesting I'm going to be. And I'm like, well, you know, do do you, do you, do you shoot? Do you hunt? Do you, you know, have interesting, whatever. And it just, the conversation just kind of goes from there. So, you know, I, I really wouldn't, really wouldn't worry about it. So, um, you and I literally talked for about 30 seconds before, before this podcast started. So we don't really know each other. Um, but like I said, I, I recently started following you and you're putting up some, some pretty cool stuff on Instagram. You're doing a lot of, uh, stories, uh, you're shooting a stick bow, um, and I just, and you're, you're putting out stuff where you're trying new things. You are kind of putting out your lessons learned, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to know more, you know, about, about your kind of, you know, what kind of journey you're on, you know, and, and, and what you're doing and all that stuff. So, um, before we get, I guess, too far into it, you know, where, where, where are you from? And what do you, uh, what do you, what do you do out where you're from? No, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I'm. I live in Oklahoma now. I'm originally from Oklahoma. Um, we spent, my wife and I spent about 10 years out in Colorado. Um, and uh, we've got two kids and actually just found out we've got two more on the way. We've got twins coming, which is nuts. Oh, um, no kidding. Yeah. So uh, anyways, we decided um, before that, you know, about a year ago to move home and be closer to family. And we've got some good old friends here. And I don't know. I just felt right to move home. So we did. And um, so we're back in Oklahoma and my job is actually still based out of Colorado. So it's kind of weird. I, w- I work remotely. Um, oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. So that's uh, that's where we're at. Actually, I teach accounting. It's kind of random, but that's what I do. OK, um, so the, the the hunting and shooting, um, how did how did we uh, how did we get into that? Well, so when I was living out in Denver, where um, I, I started to get into hunting, uh, and I grew up duck hunting in Oklahoma and doing a lot of waterfowling, um, and had a lot of success and really enjoyed that, uh, and enjoyed particularly enjoyed calling and getting animals in really, really, really close. Um, so then I started getting into big game hunting when we were out west, uh, particularly elk hunting at first, and it, it was funny because it started out with a rifle. And I was going for gun hikes. Like, I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and after yeah. a couple of years of that, like, went to a muzzleloader because Brie was pregnant with our firstborn. So I had to go to a muzzleloader to hunt in September. She was due in November. So I did that. Mm. And then um, the next year, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to get into archery. And so, like, I kept digressing in, in weaponry. So I get, into, I get a compound and <laughs> end up calling, calling in a bull on, like, the third day of archery season. This was the, um, the year prior I had actually missed a cow which was a humiliating story. Um, long story short, those ballistic radicals that, you, you know, you've got, you, you've got to actually be zoomed in for them to act, to work. <laughs> I used it not realizing that. That was an epic fail. Um, so then the next year I start compound hunting, call in a, a bull on the third day. Um, and it, it's my first elk encounter. Um, we've been hunting hard. I think we're averaging 10 mile days, like trying, just trying to locate, you know, throwing out bugles. And I finally get into a, a back and forth with this bull and we close the distance. It's like an hour long deal. 
uh, finally get in on him. He, I, I, he's walking out of my life with his cows. I throw out one more challenging bugle um, and he decides to come over and play. And he's at like 30 yards. And I had, I did not know my bow at all. Like I didn't know anything about my bow other than I shot it religiously every day. Uh, this yeah. is my first ever side hill shot ever. Uh, I'd only oh. practiced on flat ground. No one had told me that that was a problem. I didn't know that to bubble into the hill if you've ever shot a compound. Like, I didn't know anything at the time. So I shoot the arrow and it just immediately falls down the hill, right? Like it, 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 not literally, but that's what will happen. And so I, yeah. I end up way left of the bull at like 30 yards. And the whole time I'm freaking out about like, he's at 30 yards and I haven't adjusted my sight. Like, what do I, you know, I'm just like way over analyzing what I need to be doing in that moment. And it's funny because right before I shot, he'd been scraping, he'd been uh, scraping real hard on this little pine tree. And knowing what I know now, I, I should have just waited for him to scrape and walked up and shot him. <laughs> like, you don't, you know, they're distracted in that moment, but I was so green to it. Well, anyways, so I'm, I'm frustrated with the compound. The next weekend I come back and I get on a stock of some cows. And um, after the stock, I go to leave. They, they were at like 50 yards. I just wasn't comfortable with the shot. Tried to get in closer, uh, lost them. And so I'm walking out and my cam, like I feel my string kind of catch on a limb. And before I even realize it, my bow is destrung. My compound oh, is destrung. No. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm five miles back in. I'd spiked, I, or four miles back in. I'd, I'd spiked out of camp at two miles. And I'm like, this is my first morning. Like I just got here and this happened. So I have to go all the way back, get all my gear, go all back to the Jeep. I'm really, really frustrated with the compound at that point. Take it to the bow shop. They're like, man, we can't get your strings in time. Like your season's over. And so I'm like reeling after that whole deal. And uh, did you know actually, how to work on your on your on your bows back then? No, I literally knew nothing. That's yeah, that's so I knew nothing about the bow. Like I was the typical guy who bought a bow on eBay, learned how to shoot it, but didn't know anything about arrows, didn't know anything about spinning broadheads, didn't know anything about anything. But I could shoot the bow yeah. well. Like I could, I could, I could shoot the bow well on flat ground with field points, right? Um, and I did shoot. Yeah. To my defense, I did shoot with the broadheads before I went out. But um, it was just one of those. I didn't know anything about the the how to. So, anyways, that off season, I'm kind of doing the typical YouTube noodling, and I come across this guy named Aaron Snyder. Uh, and this was like three years ago. <laughs> um, and at that time, like I, you know, I came across. I had no idea who he was. And this was actually the way I came across him was on the gritty stuff. So I'm watching some gritty stuff and then I come across this push video because I think it popped into my feed. And before I know it, I'm kind of like hours deep into this trad bow thing. Right. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. So I actually messaged Aaron at the time. Um, it's probably three and a half. Uh, yeah, a little over almost four years ago. I, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, um, I, I know I need to get a backup bow because of what happened to me this fall. But it seems really dumb to get a backup compound because I'm never going to shoot the backup bow unless the primary breaks up. I'm thinking about getting a trad bow as my backup. What, you know, any advice? He said, man, you should definitely do it. You should go down to RMS gear. Um, Cause I was in Denver. Uh, and I'd see, yeah. I'd driven by this place, RMS gear, right. And like Rocky Mountain specialty gear. Like what's, I wonder what kind of stuff they have in there. Um, anyway, so I go down there, end up getting a bow. Long story short, five months later, I sold the compound. I don't think I, shot it again after i came home with that first samic sage uh and then on the first day of elk season that year i shot a cow no kidding uh, yeah uh it, and i was and i was like hooked after that and all my friends right that had been watching me like 
fail with the rifle, like a long range rifle, then go to an iron sighted rifle, fail, uh, uh, go to a muzzle loader, compound bow, like, like really you're going to try with a stick bow. And uh, yeah, got it. Had some luck that first day, the next turkey season, I put down a turkey. Um, The next, the next elk season, I, I, and I guess before I go too far down that, like the, the guys at RMS, I bugged the living heck out of them. Like I was down at that shop. They've become good friends of mine, but I was there all the time. And I was just picking, you know, I just, it's my nature. I get obsessed with things. You've probably seen that. And those guys, everyone, Aaron, everyone has been so tremendously helpful over the years. People online as well. Um, and I meet, you know, out there, there's a lot more 3D shoots. So I'd meet people. Uh, one of my best friends, Stefan, I met him out there at a 3D shoot. And so you learn a lot about this stuff. But the point I would, I would say to people is like picking up a trap bow forced me to learn how to actually hunt. And so, like, am I opposed to hunting with something else? No, but I know that I can get in close and do it with, like, this year I did shoot two does last January. Uh, a buddy invited me to shoot some does on a on a holiday uh, doe season. I guess it was December, but anyways, all I have is an iron-sided rifle at this point. And I, I told him, I was like, how close are these things going to be? He's like, well, I usually average, like, 150. I think I shot, you know, the first one, I, I had to wait. So the first one was at like 40 yards and the second one was at 98 yards. And that was just because they had been very clear, like, we need to take those out of here. Um, mm-hmm. And it was close to last light and she was at 98 and I knew I could make the shot. So um, the point is, though, that what like, you should have was, uh, so my, my rifle that I have is an 1885, uh, Browning 1885 high wall, um, but I've got, it's called the Wyoming Centennial Edition because for the 100-year state anniversary, they, Wyoming convi- commissioned a, uh, a commemorative rifle, and it's got a pronghorn engraved on it, which I, is kind of cool, actually. But the thing, I, the reason I bought it is it's chambered in 25-06. So it is very oh, flat. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a special rifle, man. I looked for like two years to find one. Um, hmm. I, I, I went down a real rabbit hole. Uh, you ever heard of Skinner Sights? Yeah. Okay, so I, I literally saw a picture with a little story on his site about that rifle, and I was really into uh, 1800s rifles at the time, um, mm-hmm. like lever actions and the high walls and stuff. And I was like, that's an 1885, but they didn't make that in a 25-06. Like he mentioned in passing, it may still be on his website. I was like, what the heck? So I reached out to him, figure out what it was, and just started hunting for that specific one. They only made like I mean, they made a few thousand of them. It's not that rare, but I finally found one that was actually new in box. Some collector had bought it in 1990 and never used it. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely using it. Uh, and that thing, oh, man, wow. it is amazing how accurate. I, I hand load for it. That thing is unbelievable. Like that doe just didn't take a step. She dropped right in her tracks at 98 yards. And I, I mean, it's an amazing rifle. So, um, but yeah, I think the stick bow, you know, when you've got to get a 15 yard shot or whatever you're going to choose, you got to learn how to get that close to the animal. And so it's done. I feel like I've learned more in the last three years about big game hunting than I could have um, in a long, long, long time using anything else. But it also has led to right. a lot of failures and a lot of tribulations, to your point. <laughs> but that's where the Instagram stuff comes from. Don't tell me about it. I'm still trying to shoot, you know. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Well, the Instagram stuff's just stuff I'm doing anyways. I just, during the pandemic, started posting about it. Um, and so... Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a big road of ups and downs for the last, like I said, I think this will be my fourth season coming up. Fourth season coming up. So you've got a, a cow elk 
basically, right, with it. And then um, yeah. do you do any other like small game or anything like that too with it? Or do you just, is it just, uh, so, what, what, what else do you man, chase? So the only things I've taken with it so far, uh, good, the good news is I've, I've taken a, a cow elk, the turkey, and a bobcat. But I've had some really bad luck oh, with nice. cows. Yeah, yeah, the bobcat was random. I was deer hunting, and um, yeah, that one was cool. But uh, he stepped out, and I, he came tracking through the leaves, and I was like, I was expecting a coyote, actually. He was shuffling so fast, I actually thought it would be a coyote. He was not quiet, and I kind of always in my head figured a cat would be pretty quiet. But he was just trotting along the leaves, and he came out, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's a bobcat. And uh, he took us. He, he stopped behind a tree to decide which direction to go. Uh, and then and I drew and then he took off walking out to the left from that tree and I shot him. Uh, and that was that was pretty cool. It happened really fast. Um, but then what I was getting to is I've had some bad luck with whitetails. Um, I've lost. I, I, I mean, it's one of those I don't like to talk. I, I guess you got to talk about it, though. Like, I'm, I'm open to talking about it. I post about it. Um, but I uh, I've lost a few whitetails. Um, one, two of them. Two of them were lost due to tracking uh, issues. And then uh, one of them was lost just due to a really, I don't think it was a mortal shot. Uh, right. But it's just one of those, the whitetails have given me real fits as far as, uh, I'll put it this way, my effective range keeps shrinking on them. <laughs> I'm currently feeling comfortable around 15 yards. I started last season thinking 20. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so going back real quick. So for the cow, right? How how far yeah. a shot was that? Uh, twelve yards. Twelve yards. Okay. All right. And yeah. and it's a much bigger target, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. on that thing, and then and not as jumpy. Obviously, they're not ducking anything really. No, she didn't even. It was yeah. She didn't even move at all. Uh, I wasn't gonna shoot her, so I called her in. Uh, I wasn't gonna shoot her. I was hoping they'd have a bull with them because it was the first day. Um, mm-hmm. and I, for whatever reason, I, um, honestly didn't know how freaking hard it is to kill something with a stick bow it's my first day hunting with a stick bow and there's a cow i'm like well she's there like it can't be that hard to get close to these things uh the next season i passed on a spike on day two and never got even close to bow range again after that so it, it I, that was stupid mm. uh passing on that spike was, was questionable but that's okay so this cow I wasn't going to shoot her she stopped stopped with her head behind a tree at 12 yards quartering slightly away and i was like well now i have to take a shot like this that's, is a i mean come on that's a <laughs> layup a yeah so that one um but and so i could go down a rabbit hole this is a funny story so i'm gonna throw him under a bus uh I, I love my brother i call my brother he'd been shooting with me all summer so i call him i say and, and he had he had all the faith that i would get one because he just knew how into i was and he was really supportive which is cool because he doesn't hunt so I call him. I'm like, man, I got a cow down. I need you to come help me. This is at like 4.30. He's 4.30 p.m. He's just worked. He's, he's in the middle of a 12-hour shift at work. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I, I need your help. So he gets off work at 6.30. He's in Denver. It's like a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive. Comes out and meets me at the trailhead. I meet him at the trailhead at midnight, and we're going to go, and we're going to pack route the next morning. So I meet him at the trailhead. Oh. And he's never been big game hunting of any kind. Like he doesn't know anything about it. He's done a little bit of waterfowling. And I go, okay, man, um, I should have us pretty well covered. Did you bring some good boots? And he's like, yeah, I brought my muck boots. I don't know if you know what oh. muck boots are. He brought ankle high 
nothing like ankle high version of muck boots. Luckily, I had a backup. Oh pair, man! So, luckily, I had a backup pair, so it was fine. I think he thought we were gonna like back the truck up and throw her in. She was two miles in. Um, yeah. So, so his yeah. his feet are shredded, ankles are shredded. Yeah. Oh yeah, he would it would have been brutal. So then I go, okay, that's fine. And then I hear a jingle, and I go, "Did you bring Foxy?" And he's like, "Yeah, he brought his wiener dog." <laughs> And he brought it. I'm like, dude, we're hiking in two miles to pack out an elk. We can't take the miniature dachshund with us. It's it's bear food in case you need it, you know. Yeah, exactly. So we ended up leaving her in the tent, and it was cool enough that it was fine. But I was just like, I can't be mad, right? Like, the guy just did me the biggest favor anyone's ever done for me in terms of like non health related, right? I mean, it's just a huge favor. So I, I, I don't think I broke attitude at all. I kind of ribbed him a little bit, but it's fine. But yeah, we woke up, went in and packed her out. Um, and we did it in one load. Um, I had an old pack for him and I had my Kefaro and we just, we just never sat down. So luckily it was two miles downhill for the most part. And we just never sat down because yeah. we were afraid of, of lactic acid. Like we would stop and lean on a tree, but um, that was brutal. But yeah, so that's how the cow unfolded. So, um, prior to that then, like, it, but, but you, you'd still had experience with, uh, uh, like, like meat care and stuff like that. I mean, are you processing your own? Are you taking it somewhere? I mean, did you have a plan for all that stuff or you're like, okay, I got like, what I'm guessing what 150 pounds of meat, 200 pounds of meat, maybe right. To deal with at yep. that point. Yep. Right. Yeah. Around, I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it was right at one, right around 150, I think if I recall. Um, yeah, maybe it may have been a touch more than that because I didn't I did some of it myself and took some of it to the processor. So that no, to answer yeah. your question, I had never processed a big game animal in the in like the, the closest I'd come was a whitetail that I shot that you field dress, throw in the truck and take the processor. I'd never processed an animal myself. I had definitely never quartered and done a gutless method on something in the actual woods. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. a crash course through it. Um, luckily, How'd that go? Well, it went really, really well. And luckily, overall, it went well. Um, luckily, the, the reason it went pretty well is I'd done quite a bit of research in terms of, you know, I just what to do. Like, there's so many resources out there. I can't imagine. Sure. Think about this all the time, and it applies to traditional. Like, we have so much information that you have very little excuses to not have exposed yourself to a lot of this stuff. But, man, I feel so... Um, impressed by those that didn't have these resources right all they got was maybe a text explanation of how to do the gutless method or how to quarter an animal or all that but i'd listened to at that point hundreds of hours of kafaru casts and stickbo chronicles and you know you name it actually i'll tell you the stickbo chronicles episode about meat care with i think snyder was a guest on that one was like two weeks before i shot that cow and i had it downloaded to my phone um, and I've been listening to it like on the drive up there and it was really helpful. A lot of the things they mentioned in that. Yeah. Oh, did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah, there we go. Okay. So, okay. So, so good adventure there. Right. And then, yeah. um, <laughs> at least, at least, at least your brother <laughs> kind of helped out with the wiener dog, you know? Yeah. Oh, I God, mean, it was, yeah. So then, um, you, you, so then after that, you're like, okay, well, 
And how long had you been shooting at that point? Like how many months had you been shooting when you, when you just, when you actually like lucked out? I mean, I'm going to say lucked out, you know, no, not to take away from you, but you know, you, it, it pretty yeah, much fine. gave you like a, a shot, like a shoot me shot. Right. I mean, I wanted to yeah. die. So, yeah. um, how long have you been shooting since then or prior um, to then? Up the Samick and I remember the day I went into RMS the first time and Alex helped me out and, um, and he's become a good friend, but he helped me out. You know, they're, they're used to people that are pretty green coming in. So he helped me out with the bow. And I'm asking a bunch of questions that are probably too many questions for somebody who's never, you know, had a bow or whatever. So I do that. Um, actually, I take that back. I bought that Samick off Craigslist. And I had to take it to RMS to get some uh, lighter weight limbs for it, I think was the deal. I bought it and realized the limbs were too heavy because I got Tom's uh, solid archery mechanics course right away i yep. got lucky that that came out right around the time i was shooting so i pretty much started on it and i realized my limbs were too heavy they were 45 pound limbs so my first thing down to rms was getting some arrows and, and getting lighter limbs so they got me set up and, and gave me a few tips and uh and that was really really helpful uh and then i ended up buying an original rampart from them that march that was the first bow that kind of sung to me i was in there shooting every, you know pretty often and all of a sudden i put a group like the size of a quarter at their 20 yard range. And I was like, I got to buy this bow. And it was an original <laughs> rampart, which those ramparts are kind of legendary out in Colorado. Um, I wish I wouldn't have sold it just because it's dirt. I'm not going to come across another one, but it was only a 58 inch bow. And I draw to about 29. I shot it way too well for what it was, but it, it definitely, once I shot a more, a, a little boat, more appropriate bow for me, I felt the lack of stack that that one had. Like that one yeah. was stacking on me. Um, so I started in January and shot, uh, August 31st. I shot the cow. I think it was that year. Oh my goodness. And then I turned around. That's, I mean, and then, uh... like I said, <laughs> well, like I said, I then turned around and the next animal I shot at was the turkey on like my second day of bow hunting turkeys ever. Um, or third, <laughs> I guess, yeah. So I, I had a hot start, but like it's, it's where preparation meets opportunity. Cause, um, like that cat, like I spent a ton of time learning how to call and learning. For example, that first summer um, that I was shooting, I went out to the Colorado High Country shoot, and Matt Zernzak was there, and Joel Turner was there, and uh, Tom Senior was there, Alex was there. There's you know kind of a group there. Ben Mayer was there from Australia. Uh, that was the year he was down there, and I wedged myself into that group, and they probably. They probably know it. I don't mind admitting it. Like, I'm the kind of guy that if I'm going to do something, I want to find somebody who's done it and done it to the level I want to do it. And I want to ask them questions. And so um, I didn't know it at the time, yeah. but they were doing a lot of like videoing for some of the, the pack stuff. And I was shooting with them that day because there weren't that many people out shooting because of the snow. And I'm just picking Joel's brain uh, in between rounds and stuff along the way when he's not working with anybody um, about elk calling. And because uh, I knew he'd had a lot of success doing that. Um, and it was ended up being really powerful cap calls or how I killed that cow. Uh, and so it's one of those. It is like there's definitely been a lot of luck uh, involved in some of the opportunities, but there's just so much information out there if you go get it. It, it sounds like you locked into the right, literally into like the right crowd. You know what I mean? There. And um, they were, you know, you're able to. I mean that those that those are kind of like the, like the two, you know, two three pillars, right? Of uh, of, of like trying to shoot 
traditional those guys um and then you had aaron snyder as a resource and all that stuff so that's that, that's pretty amazing so then um are, are you still uh, so you've, you've kind of moved on right because i see you shooting like a longbow now um and you're trying some other different stuff like did how, how was that journey are you still are you still kind of like hopping back and forth between different different styles or what's your you know what do you what's um, your journey now you know the one regret about when i well i say that and we'll see because i may end up back on one but i got into it at a time when clickers were like the norm like they were a real hot thing um you know clickers triggers whatever were like a really really uh thing of the moment and i put one on uh because that's what you were supposed to do right and um yeah i'll just say that like the last tab because like that's what like i, I kind of did what i was told to do and it, and it worked pretty well but there were some white tails down in texas um well even that cow elk the only thought i was having when that cow elk was 12 yards away from me was i got to get through the clicker it had been like, like I'd listened to so many podcasts about that, that like it was in my mind that if, well, if I don't hit the clicker, then I'm not going to hit the animal. Right. And that was, it was mm. okay. Cause I, I got that animal and then the turkey was fine. The tur- So the elk was on a clicker, the turkey was on a grip trigger. And those were both fine because uh, we got the animal. Um, then I went to Texas on whitetail and those things are so, I was on the, the gentleman that invited me to go down, had me, he'd never had a stick bow person before. And he had me over feeders in tripod stands, like just tripod seats, which the seat yeah. thing was fine. I, that's fine. But over a baited, you know, a, a January hunt for Texas whitetail over a feeder, literally at the feeder, those things were so jumpy. And that was my first experience shooting at whitetails with a bow, with any kind of bow. Yeah. I'd only rif- rifle on them. And the clicker, became a it was a grip trigger to be fair but it became a major problem for me in the middle of that trip because i'm trying to hit the stupid clicker and the deer are moving right like they're they're feeding they're moving um i have have like very narrow windows where i can get that shot like they're at a bait site they are alert um and so that was the start of me going of me really rethinking that part of a shot sequence like i didn't get on a clicker or trigger because i had target panic i've never really had target panic um in fact when i shot with joel uh, that summer he told me you don't need a trigger or no what was it he said something along those lines he's like your shot process is solid don't worry well i did it anyway <laughs> and um because because so, you thought it was just part of the equipment that you had to have like you said it right it talked up so much that i yeah. thought like you don't have that you're screwed and and that I'm the kind of person you probably noticed, but if I get something in my head, I'm anxious. I'm an anxious person. And so um, that was not good for me. And so after that whitetail trip, I just had to really rethink some things. And basically last spring, I, I kind of ripped it all off. And I will be the first to admit I am slightly less accurate, maybe significantly less accurate if we go out to 35 yards. Uh, I, I'm, you know, you give me a, a grip trigger, put me at 35 yards. I, I'm a good shot. And I, and I don't say that arrogantly. I'm saying like, I've, I've been to shoots under pressure. I've shot with people under pressure. I've been to the best, the best thing and, and shot along people that put me under pressure. Uh, and I perform like if I've got the trigger, I can perform. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to go win a tournament. I'm just saying I, I hang, um, yeah, take, it yeah, off, I gotcha. take it off. And the 35 yards is, is definitely less reliable, but here's what I've realized over the last 18 months, 15 months. I'm not going to be shooting at a whitetail 35 yards. 
And that's my game now. I live in Oklahoma. I, I'm not the elk that I've passed on. I hunt in thick stuff because I'm a student of Larry D. Jones and uh, I'm going to try to get in and be able to, I think he said, get in so close that by the time they see you, you can punch them in the mouth. Like I hunt in such thick stuff on purpose. 35 yard shot isn't even going to be possible. Yeah. You're, so, yeah. You're breaking up. You're breaking up a little bit there. Oh, I'm sorry. Weird. Can you hear me? Yep. Um, where did I, where did you hear last? I got you. I got you. You were saying 35 yards. You realize you're not going to shoot that in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's no, me and personally, then it kind of, just, no then it kind of got choppy. Yeah, me personally, there's no way that I think a whitetail is going to be there when my arrow gets there at 35 yards based on what I've seen. Uh, not to mention, I don't, I'm not confident yeah. I can hit the shot. And then on elk, I, you know, I've spent so much time reading and, and watching, listening to people like Larry D. Jones and, and uh, you know, the old school stick boat people run. My goal is to get in, you know, Tom Sr. always says 35 yard shot on elk where I hunt isn't even possible. And, and I agree, like I hunt them in such thick stuff that by the time they see me, they're 15 yards, maybe 20 yards. Like I'm, I'm not setting up where 35 is even possible. Um, yeah. So, so I guess what I'm getting at is I've tried to simplify the process um, over the last 18 months down to something that I can work with. Um, and overall, that's going well. Um, yesterday, actually, I don't know if you saw that, but yesterday, like all through deer season, I never thought about putting that, that trigger on. For, for me personally, like I felt so much more in the moment and able to just focus and, and shoot when I needed to shoot. Like that bobcat was so freaking fluid. And the buck that I shot two weeks before that was so fluid. And that buck shot, that, that was a shot I'll take all day, every day. It was not a bad shot. I just, we bumped the animal on accident. Mm. Um, but it was one of those, like those two shots last fall kind of reaffirmed that, yeah, I feel way more natural when I can just focus on the animal, focus on the moment to draw and shoot. Um, but then yesterday, I don't know if you saw, we had, my, my son and I had this hog debacle that definitely was the most frazzled I've ever been. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near what I would call panic, but I, I, it made me think that, you know what, maybe I do need to have something that I remind myself before I go to draw my boat to, to, to get back together and, and be focused. Um, if I feel like I'm, you know, ramped up. Usually, so like, I, I, I might have missed that part then because you were you were kind of breaking up. So what 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 was what was going on yesterday? Oh, well, what I'm getting now is yesterday we had my, my son and I were out turkey hunting and we had some hogs come stumbling into us. And um, oh, I I did not gather myself before trying to go in for like the final few yards of stock and, and shoot them. Uh, and I feel like I maybe need to recomplicate my shooting process a little bit because I've made it pretty straight, pretty streamlined over the last year. I've, I've made a real effort to just focus on the moment. Um, but I feel like if I had gathered yeah. myself a little bit yesterday, and you know, I, I don't know. It just feels like I, I'm, I have something to learn from that opportunity. I'm trying to figure out exactly what that is. So at this point, then, are you are you like back on the trigger bandwagon or not no, on the uh, trigger no, bandwagon? Because because you're trying to focus on the animal, not necessarily yeah. on is it going to click, right? Yeah, and again, um, that thing's amazing, and I've got friends that if they don't have one of those on their bow, they're not gonna they're not gonna go hunting with their bow. They're not gonna shoot their bow. I get it. 
I have mm-hmm. never personally had a bad case of target panic. I'm told that that means that I, you know, it hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it will. Um, the most target panicky I've ever personally felt as far as just feeling like out of control was when I've got, when I had those white tails in front of me in Texas and I'm trying to time the click with the animal being where I need it to be. It just did not yeah. work for me at all. So I view the, I guess where I'm at is number one, I'm shooting a 66 shins super D right now, which there's nowhere on it to put a grip trigger and you could not pay me to put a limb clicker back on a bow. Um, they're, they're so, they're, they're just awful. Like once you get away from just the way they feel like they're just awful. The grip trigger is great. If your grip will take it, um, the super day, it'd be kind of hard to do, but I could see them as a training aid is what I was getting at. Like, I think they're great for, for, you know, training aids. Um, but for hunting situations, I've, I've felt more comfortable in general without them without them yeah I, I i i know what you mean but with the feel like so i've i've i tried doing the, the grip trigger i i could not i couldn't get it to work for me and and honestly i i probably should have put in way more time trying to make that work for me but you know i didn't right so you know my fault but um i, I me too like i shoot way way better with uh with it with the clicker right i'm more consistent i'm more um you know, consistent draw length, um, expanding, you know, and it gets to the same spot. Um, so I go back and forth with taking it off, putting it on, taking it off, putting it on. And I'm trying different methods like finger to nose, all art finger, uh, feather to nose and that kind of stuff, you know. Um, but right now they're back on. But like today, like literally like today, earlier today, I got a new, um, uh, new ASL. Um, yeah, I saw that. And I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting a, I'm not putting a, a clicker on that thing. Yeah, I get it. That's the Pacific stick you bought, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. Man, he makes awesome bows. That thing's cool. Did it's you get beautiful. to shoot it much today? Uh, I did. I was shooting till up about five minutes before you and I uh, started talking. Good. How's it shooting? <laughs> uh, good. I need. Uh, it, it needs. It needs a better string, and it needs. Um, probably well it depends if i if i get a fast flight on there that might solve the problem but i'm shooting i'm shooting just a little too stiff with the arrows that i have right now um okay. so i'm, I'm gonna need i need longer because it's 44 27 and i need a little bit longer uh 600 spine because uh okay. I, I i'm out of the heaviest tips i have are 250s and and you know the the arrows i'm, I'm shooting them out of they're they're from my grizzly um but they have a hundred grain brass and a, and a 200, well, these, I put a 250 grain tip on there and they were still, um, you know, they were still a little too, uh, too stiff. And then I, okay. I, I don't, you know, I don't like the way they fly when you've got like crazy, crazy amount of FOC. I don't really chase it. Um, yep. because then you've got like a weird knock high issue. And especially when you're trying to tune off of a, like a longbow shelf, you know, which is like almost mm-hmm. non-existent. Um, my kind of bro science belief is that it's probably going to fly better with a little more balanced arrow, but we'll see. No, I, I think that I haven't, uh, I feel that way now, even with R and D bows, uh, like re- reflex, deflex, long bows. I've never been into recurves, so I, I can't really speak to recurves, but, uh, for long bows, even, even on the R D bows, I've, I've kind of moved away from the crazy FOC stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's hard to get them to fly good um that's a cool bow if you need um I, I can't remember the guy's name but you ought to reach out to greenwood about uh he's got a few people that he really likes their strings for that for those uh uh for eric's bows so you should check that out so yeah so i've got um uh i don't, I don't know if he says tri- triple t or ttt but you know trevor fielder right so i've oh, got yeah, a couple yeah. a couple of his strings 
on my other bows. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're fine. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I can't tell the friend. difference. Yeah. Like I can't tell the difference usually with like, you know, a good string versus a great string, but I can tell the difference like of like a not so good string. You know what I mean? So this one definitely needs an upgrade. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I put a D97, you know, better material on there. And I think, I think the problem is going to solve itself as far as being able to put a little more energy into the arrow and, uh, I might be able to shoot these arrows, uh, you know, instead of having to buy, buy new ones and stuff. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Good luck. I just, uh, I've been getting mine from, uh, Nick ready, ready made. Uh, and I've gotten two TT as well before they're great. I mean, I've tried a lot of different ones. Uh, Nick just happens to be real close. He's in Kansas and, uh, mm. and, we talk for, I don't know, but it's one of those I, I like supporting him, but, um, I've got him building the, uh, I actually emailed AAE today and I was like, Hey, I really want to be able to have one serving diameter for all of my arrow types, like aluminum, wood, and carbon. Um, and so I figured out from them what I would need to get. And I'm just going to go that route so that every string I have him make me is to the same, whether I'm shooting micros, aluminums, 246s woods whatever i've got the same exact serving diameter because strings get mm -hmm. expensive if you've got to have a different string for your woodies and a different string for your aluminums and a different string. oh sure yeah yeah so yeah uh, i think it'll be worth it yeah the uh i mean I, I've, I've shot these gold tip traditionals like forever right so they've got like the gold tip knocks and yep. i recently got these aluminums you know the eastern game game getters and they shoot the man I, I don't know i can't tell the difference between east and knocks right they've got you know f knock s knock n knock m knock you know abc yeah. knock I, they all look the same to me i don't know the difference but it, it fits the same as the gt knock you know so that, it's, that it's the yeah they're they're technically it doesn't matter but i think technically the gold tip is a slightly different diameter than that east and s knock but the gold tip does fit in it. I, I know what you mean. The white oh, gold tip. The, yeah, not, the ID. Yeah, it does fit in that unibushing. But I think technically they might be slightly different. Um, yeah, I did yeah, have to reserve mine, though, speaking of that, because uh, I, I got it and uh, it was way too tight on all of my knocks, right? And I'm like, okay, well... So I, I messaged uh, Eric. I said, hey, what is he, you know, you know what, what serving size this is? And he thought it might have been 24, 25 thou. And uh, so sh sure enough, I took it off. I reserved it with 21 and it, it's perfect. So, um, yeah, yeah it came, I, it came I a little thick. And all that. It's just, um, it would just be nice to not have to, you know, like I'm happy to do it in an emergency, but mm -hmm. the, I've learned over the last couple of years that I don't seem to have any recurve desire. I did pick up a bear recurve recently, but I can't shoot it very well. And I don't like the way the draw cycle feels. So that's okay. And it's not anything against bear. It's just, I don't. I don't like the draw cycle of a recurve. Um, yeah. But um, as far as, yeah, it'd just be nice to, to not have to mess with the serving. So I'm excited about that. So, so did, Zen, did you move then straight away from this uh, rampart then to the Super D or is there, yeah. or is there yeah. something so else I, in between? No, I'm sorry. So I heard uh, uh, the rampart was a recurve. I shot it from March to June of 2019. Okay. Then I was down in RMS gear and I wasn't looking for a new bow, but I was down in RMS gear and they had a long, I always check the used racks because they've got like hundreds of used bows. So yeah. I, I'm looking and I'm like, holy cow, this is a winger. What's it doing here? Like, that's just kind of, I was still new to it, but I knew Trent's bows and I was like, this is rare. So I 
I take it up to Tommy. Um, it's like finding a Ferrari in a used car lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I take <laughs> it up to Tommy. Uh, so there's Tom Senior, Tom Clump Senior, and then there's Tommy Clump. And Tommy, he's moved since, but he was at the shop at the time. And I was like, is this price right? And he was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And I was like, I'll take it. I, I did not want to buy a bow today, but I, I, let me go shoot it. And if as long as I can shoot it, I'm going to take it. So I went and shot it and shot it well, and it was $500. What? Yeah, I hate even saying that because the guy, I think it came in that day, and the guy just had no idea what it was worth. Um, I don't know why he sold it or whatever, but that bow is awesome. And since then, I've had two of Trent's other, I've had two TARs. I had a, a 64 inch TAR that was unbelievably beautiful, but just too light mass weight wise for me. It didn't have any G10 or anything. And I don't like heavyweight, but I don't like heavy, but um, I don't like featherweight light either. But then I had a yeah, then I had a sixty inch G ten tar from Trent, and I shot that bow really, really well. Um, But I have just a lot of string torque in my release, Um, and I know it's something I need to work on. But the reality is, it, it. I do have it, and on my draw length with a 60-inch bow, I was just having a hard time getting that bow quiet. Um, now, since then, I've switched to split, and I wish I wouldn't have sold that bow because when I sold that bow, when I shot that bow split, it was quiet, and I wish I would have kept it because now that I'm shooting split, it would be great to have it. Um, a 60-inch bow does serve a nice purpose every now and then. So you did go to and from from three under. That's kind of uh, it's, it's typically like like the other like people migrate the other way, right? They go from a glove to a tab and then they go from, uh, you know, split to three under, or they just kind of start three under. But, uh, you know, I've, I've tried split a few times. It feels really, really weird, right? Having that kind of like the arrow kind of squish between your fingers. I don't like that feeling. It's just yeah. a weird, like ick feeling. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds stupid, but no, it does like whenever, whenever Bo I've shot split, it is quieter. It is definitely quieter. Well, so, couple of things on that. Uh, first up, I'm like totally backwards, right? I've gone from tab to glove and from uh, <laughs> three under to split. And I'll tell you, for practical purposes, for like being out hunting, I don't think you can get me to go back to a tab unless I'm shooting three under. The glove yeah. is so much better, whether you're hanging a tree stand, whether you're setting up a ground blind, whether you're, I don't care what you're doing, you just wear the glove. Like, it's just on you. You've got the glove on. You don't even notice it's there. Whereas the tab, like, whether you're I mean, using your phone, reaching your pocket, um, I get that I get that the tab, I get all the benefits of the tab. I get them. But as far as if I'm going to be shooting split, the glove's pretty great. Um, but anyways. I could see that. Um, yeah, the, the knock pinch thing that you're mentioning, that's very, very true. But I'll say this. On the longer bows, it doesn't really happen. And that's been the game changer for me is on this 66-inch bow that I'm shooting, the string angle is so much more comfortable for me. And when I shoot the split, I don't get the finger pinch feeling that you're talking about the way that I – Oh, actually, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean that. I, I just meant it, fe- it feels weird having, oh. like, a, something in between my fingers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, I it's like wearing flip-flops, you know? it's just like a weird weird feeling yeah i'm not talking about string pinch but yeah okay well um sticking with it i kind of just did it to try it and then i liked it and so i i kept it up um i had tried split with a 
tab before and it was always awful. Like I was spraying arrows all over the place. But when I tried the glove, my groups are nice and tight. Like I feel very comfortable with it. Now, and again, this sounds, I struggle with this one, but I'll be the first to admit I'm probably slightly more accurate three under, right? And I'm probably slightly more accurate than that with the clicker. And so you get into this situation of like, I am my most accurate with a clicker and three under. So does that mean, I mean, like you literally get into like an ethical debate with yourself. Like, does that mean mm -hmm. I should be doing that because it's more accurate? Of course, you get on that line. It's well, then I probably ought to be using a rifle because it's more accurate too. This it's is exactly the conversation that I, I just had with uh, Dan, Dan Liss, um, which is oh. the current episode out, out right now, right? I've only made um, it about half of that episode, so uh, I'll, I'm yep. sure I'll hear that then. Okay. Yep, it, exactly what we were, we were just talking about. And, you know, we say, look, you know, um, we all have to make choices of like the what we feel like we want to head into the woods with and then just kind of go with it from there with how close we think we need to be to be you know to be ethical you know because um if, if we're talking about it then i should be shooting like you know like a heavy mass riser like widow or um like a bobbly you know big window cut elevated rest you know yeah. um that kind of thing but no, I've got a couple longbows and I've got an ASL here now that I'm, I'm going to learn how to shoot. And it, it, it just, you know, yeah, I, where, where do you draw that line? Because if you keep going down that road, it's like, OK, well, I've, I've got a 300 Win Mag. <laughs> no, that's know? exactly right. I think I think to a degree, if you go down that road, yeah, you don't have traditional archery. Um, yeah. And now the funny thing is, and here's the flip side of that, OK? Um, there are plenty of people out there rifle hunting that take a shot from 250 yards and think they missed and don't walk out the 250 yards True. and do a proper search. Like ethics are a, you know, a very wide discussion. Like I feel much more ethical. I feel like I've always been an ethical hunter, but I feel like the particular uh, group of traditional bow hunters that I've decided to surround myself with, um, are pretty steeped in hunting ethics and and i feel like yeah. i've learned a lot about uh how to how to treat hunting in a respectful way how to communicate it to other people and and maybe turn people that don't think so highly about it um to see you know my side of it um yeah so i, f I feel like it can actually be a hyper ethical group of, of people but there is the elephant of the room of you know, occasionally you're probably going to make a bad shot or you might miss entirely, which is at least better. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, ho hopefully the reasons you're in it are, are good. Yeah, I think, I think it can happen with anything. You know, um, the, the, the one that kind of sticks in my mind, like the, uh, uh, like I've lost a couple pigs, you know, with, um, with traditional and, I, I shit i've lost a doe i lost a nice doe with a muzzle loader with you know modern inline muzzle loader like oh, yeah. four or five years ago you know what yeah. i mean and this was a 30 35 yard chip shot i hit her she went down i mean it literally knocked her down right and of course you can't reload super fast she kicked on the on the ground for about you know five seconds and then got back up and then ran back the way she came with with a dangling leg never found her never found her you know, bullet.
it was the um i don't know if you shoot muzzle loader but it was the uh like the I top the, it's it's the hornady version the hornady sst you know basically the the, the uh, tc um uh what is it tc impact or whatever yeah yeah because you got to do that in colorado right uh can't use sabots out there i just like i said i've always been into the old stuff so i just wanted to have yeah kind of an old looking patch round ball and that thing was was actually we kind of figured out the perfect combination of uh fabric and powder and everything and, and found a pretty sweet shooting load out of it but yeah that's i just did it for the looks or you know for that feeling of it yeah yeah I, anyway the, the point is i mean you can you can make i mean i, I don't know how how much better a shot i could have made you know right at, at 35 paces and it literally knocked her down but i still she got it ran off and i could not find her i mean i no blood no nothing not not a drop um you know the the, the trails coming in and out of there were were kind of like melting kind of slushy snow and there was lots of other deer there was like it looked like a spider web of deer tracks you know in in and out mm -hmm. through all these like 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 poplar forests you know and i'm i'm like nothing you know um it would have taken a, a way better tracker than me and i'm not i'm not bad at all but it would have taken way better tracker than me to find that because all those you know the little lanes and everything kind of looked the same and it looked all the same level of freshness as far as being disturbed and stuff and you know it still weighs on me i know i know she died you know but um mm -hmm. you know there's some sometimes you just make the perfect shot and it still it doesn't go your way well yeah i think um i think it was the ranch fairy i heard him say on a podcast the animal gets a choice i think it was yeah him. i don't want to miss the truth but but that's so true like whatever yeah. weapon you're using the animal gets a choice and um whether that's their will to live or the route that they take when they run off or them moving before your arrow gets there or whatever um all you can do is feel like like i have taken exactly one shot that i regretted taking uh the other shots i have felt i've, I've turned down a lot of shots over the last four years i've not mm -hmm. taken a lot of shots but i've taken one shot that i look back on and go i knew i sh like i was not a green light situation I made it a green light situation. I literally asked myself, he's looking at me, am I gonna shoot? And I told myself, yeah, I'm gonna shoot. And I regret saying, like I did make a decision in the moment, but I, I do regret that one, yeah. uh, you know, looking back on it. But there's so much, I was thinking about this yesterday after the hog thing, like, I think I've had more failure. Literally, I think I've had more failure in the last four years, three and a half years from archery than maybe all of my adult life combined. Like, it, I'm serious. Like, as no, far there's as a like, lot of lessons. No, I, I, I hear there's a lot of lessons and, and that not, you can translate yeah, to life. Yeah. Saying that, like, from a place of like victimhood or something, it's art. It's hunting. Like, it's you know, it's not. My family doesn't need the meat to survive. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm blessed. You know, I get it. My point is, um, I told my wife recently, like uh, maybe last fall, like I want my kids to see me do hard things, and. I feel like hunting with a bow, especially hunting with the, the traditional bow, is really hard. Um, and you just keep going. Like yesterday, my five-year-old sat behind me and watched me miss a hog at point-blank range, range. And you know, I got I know, like in my head, I know that's not going to happen again. To have hogs come in on me and a five-year-old that close and just put it in our lap and me to flub it. Like that's that opportunity is not going to happen again, and I totally blew it. 
And I've got in that moment to not drop every four letter word on the planet and come back composed and go, <laughs> okay, on we go, right? It's okay, man. On we go. And he, he responds off of me and he doesn't get upset and off we go. And like, it's a grind. Like my family thinks I'm crazy. Like they literally are like, there's deer everywhere. How have you not killed one? Like, it's, oh yeah, I get that all the no, time. I mean, yeah. And, and it's just one of those, there are so many things you have to do right to kill a deer or anything with a traditional bow. So many things. And then even if you do that, I learned the hard way in November, even if you make a good shot, you've got to do a lot of things right to recover that animal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I was looking back on how I handled the moment that I was so confident because I'd never been there before. I'd never been in that place before. I was so confident in that shot that my family said, you want to help find? I said, sure, come on out and help me. And they come in from the wrong way. They walk with the deer between us to come help me. I wasn't worried about it. I thought the deer was dead by then. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like this, yeah. like I, I got down from the stand and I wasn't quiet. And like, I just, I was so green to what could have been like, Hey, if that shot's off by two inches, he may not be dead. It, absolutely immediately. Type yeah, of deal. It's not over till you got your hands on it. Yeah. Right. And I learned so much from that, but it was crushing because like I thought I did it. Like I thought I made a great shot. My whole family's going to see this deer. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Like I've got all these thoughts going through my head after the shot of like, yes. And then you're, I ce- you're celebrating. They're put on You're you're, yeah. you know, being carried on your family's shoulders, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm picturing like the Connor buck hanging in the family barn. Like, yeah, just because yeah. it'd be cool. Not because I'd be very clear about something. I, do not care about antler size. Like, am I going to shoot the bigger buck that's standing there? Sure. Like, do I have yeah. trail cam pictures of big bucks? Yeah, but I don't care. Like, people ask me why I hadn't shot some of the deer I posted last fall, and I'm like, because it's a four point county. If it was, if it was a no point county, I would have shot them all. Like, I don't care. Oh yeah, um, I mean, at, at but, this point, I'm yeah. If there's if there's spots to aim at for me, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, so, but I want my kids like to you know, I want to get something with my son there with me and like share in that. He works so hard. He gets up with me, but it's just, uh, it's a grind. And, and I was thinking about this, like, if you don't have friends that also do it, like I've got a couple different buddies that every time something goes wrong, they talk me off the ledge. Right. Like, yeah. Like not literally, but you're going to have that. Like, what am I doing? Like I shoot my bow every day. I play around with this archery mm-hmm. every day. I spend hundreds of hours a year, hundreds and hundreds of hours a year on this. For what? To miss a hog at point blank range? Like, what am I doing <laughs> with my life? Like, yeah. I don't know if other people have that feeling, but I have that feeling. And then by the time I'm driving home, I'm like, hey, what am I going to learn from that? And here we, and, you know, and they've got those friends that Stefan, Every time, you know, he, he's probably getting the call and talking about the ledge and he's good at it. Ben Mayer from Australia yesterday was like, you know, it's totally fine. You're going to learn more from this than any other type of experience. And he's right. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's absolutely. right. Um, but it's just one of those. It is not for the faint of heart, um, especially if you're doing it. Especially if you're doing it while you're learning. And, and I should clarify this. I'm learning to big game hunt with a traditional bow. I'm not a successful mm-hmm. big game hunter that picked up a traditional bow. Um, that yeah. is, like, I was telling a buddy yesterday that is a very accomplished big game hunter. He shot everything on the planet, um, literally all over the world. He, he's done on all kinds. That's all he does. Um, uh, well, he's in, he, when I say that 
he literally is in the industry of booking worldwide hunts. And so he's gone with clients in for himself. Um, anyways, I told him, I was like, man, um, if you picked up a stick bow, you'd have more success this fall on whitetails than I've had, than I've had successes combined in the last four years. Like, you know, you take a, an accomplished hunter that's got the game figured out and then just make them get a little closer. They're going to find success. But for those of us that are kind of trying to learn how to hunt these different species, like every species is different. And then you're adding into that, trying to get within 15, 20 yards or whatever your range is. It's, it's just hard. (laughs) I, 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 I'm with you, dude. I'm, I'm still trying to get one down with, um, with a stick bow. You know what I mean? Um, so it's yeah it's a long I, road to hoe I, it's, but, it's a long road to hoe and then there's life and then there's you know dad life and work life and all that stuff and it's 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 not as easy as um you know like again we we see we see the successes and we see the good a lot on social media and you know, tv you know if you used to watch you know tv channels or whatever and or whatever you know but for the vast I, i'm convinced like for the like the vast majority of people like they're more in in like your bucket or my bucket, you know what I mean? Then they are in, um, you know, some of these more, you know, people that that make their living doing this and I'm not nothing to take away from those people. It's just, you can't compare yourself to some of these people. I've heard many of those people you're trying to say that exact thing, like, Hey, be easy on yourself. I get to do this a lot. And, and what I would say is, um, here, I'm saying I literally do it. You know, we hear people call it the struggle stick. Mm-hmm. I think that my twist on that is I'm doing it because it's a struggle. This is probably the hardest thing I do in my life. Like yeah. I've got two kids and yeah, that's hard. But as far as just creation and yeah. probably hunting with a stick bow is, is among the hardest things I do. Um, so just because of the, yeah, I mean, it really is probably among some of the hardest things I do. And I do it because of that reason. Like I want to be challenged I want to learn. I want to succeed at this. Um, and I feel like yeah, I, 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 I'm a fan of the whole embrace the suck thing, you know, and, yeah. and I think and, and I think, you know, just kind of going off what we said a little bit here, like people in, in the industry, they're not all like this. But did, did you happen to listen to um, the meat eater with uh, Tom Miranda recently? You know, I did not. I've heard some of Steve's stuff, but I haven't heard that one. So it was really sad. Uh, he made a comment in there where I think they asked him, uh, Steve asked him or something like that, you know, do you still, you know, do you go out and just hunt for you? Or it, it was phrased somehow, like, is this still fun? Or do you go out just, you know, whatever. And the answer he gave was like, just like really, really sad. And it was, uh, you guys are going to have to go listen, listen to it. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically was like, no, this is just all a business for me. It's pretty oh much what he said. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty much what he said. It was, wow. um, and I don't think I read into that wrong. I had to, I listened to a couple of times and, and, um, it's easy to find, just, just go listen to it or whatever. But I mean, it's, it's like, it was, it was like, th- then why, you know, I mean, yeah. you've made your money, you've done all this, move on to a new hobby. I mean, if, 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 if this isn't fun any at all, but I mean, he, he basically said, no, it's just pretty much, you know, I, it, it's a business. It's just, it's just a grind, you know, I'm putting out shows. You know, I'm like, well, how terrible, you know, how terrible, how terrible it must be, you know, because that's not why I'm in it. Not no, that I'm in the I, business or anything, but, you know. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, so we ate beer burgers tonight and my kids get to eat that and they know, Jude knows that that those deer, that deer burger 
was from the night he went with me that we shot the does uh, yeah. on that rifle. And I was talking, he was on that hunt. And, and he, you know, that's a cool thing for him. The best quality time I get with him, where, you know, where I'm not thinking about anything. I don't think about uh, pandemic. I don't think about Ukraine. I don't think about my job. I don't think about anything is when I'm out in the woods with or, or without my son, but especially with him, right? Or my dad or whatever we're doing. Um, but I was telling that same guy yesterday, a friend of mine, like, you know, because his take is kind of the point. There is truth to the statement of bow hunters um, have a tendency to settle for a younger animal, which can be bad management um, and potentially could wound or lose animals, which if you're using me as a case study, right, that has happened to me in the last yeah. four years. And my my and this is a great friend of mine. We're just having a, a conversation. We're not arguing at all. We're just going back and forth. And I said, well, you know, my thing is. If you and I'm talking to him, I said, if you had to hunt with a stick bow, if a law was passed and you had to hunt with a stick bow, you'd keep hunting. To all of the people who would not. If they had to hunt with a bow, mm-hmm. they take up golf. Like, think about going and take yeah. up golf. Like, why are you doing it? If you know, if that is you, um, because, and I don't want to get, I really, that's not at all what I post on Instagram about, but I, I think that there is, um, I think for all the people that are in the woods for good reasons, it doesn't matter what they're carrying. I'll just leave it at that. Like there's rifle hunters, there's, you, yeah. you name it, there's weapon, weapon is just a choice like that. I don't care about any of that. Um, but there's some toxicity out there for sure around the trendy side of hunting and there's people hunting with the stick bow that are you know it's trendy so i it can go any way but uh that's sad to hear so yeah yeah so um one more thing i want to touch on to uh with that so now so you've you're um you've, you've got this love of the super d and then i see you doing um some stuff with a saddle now are you are you new to the saddle or mm. Um, cause, cause, yeah. cause I saw you put up some videos up there and you're trying some stuff out and so it was working yeah. and not working. So tell, let's talk about it. Uh, it's working overall. Yeah, it's working. So, um, basically and last year, that was my first year whitetail hunting for boat with a bow. So that was my first year in a tree stand and I fell out of it once almost, um, oh. which was my, yeah, li- like my bow on a bow hanger kept me from falling out i grabbed it and, and it oh, kept me from falling out yeah um and i just i don't know i just didn't love the tree stand feeling um so then i went and i, I was talking to james Orr, and he's like man you should try the uh try this a saddle it's, it's pretty great and you should try this specific one the cruiser xc so i said okay i'll try that so i got that and the first night up in it was uh the night i shot the buck and the second night up was the night i shot the bobcat <laughs> so mm. uh I've had, i got up to a hot start with it um my i guess where i'm at on the saddle is and i've got a lot of refining to do already so that's probably you know back to the instagram stuff i'd like to try to figure out some of the best ways for me like the best way to do something like whatever it is that i'm doing i want to try to figure out the best way to do something and and instagram i'm just telling other people what i'm trying now sometimes they take it as like hey this is Sometimes people make the mistake of assuming I know what I'm talking about. I'll put it that mm-hmm. way. 
Um, no, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. This is what I'm messing with. And it might change, right? Like three days ago, I loved back quivers. And now I'm thinking, <laughs> well, I'm, now I'm looking at my Super D and it's got a bow quiver on it again because if I'd have had a second arrow yesterday, my second shot was way better than my first shot would have been. But by the time I got the second arrow, they were out 35 yards, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the saddle thing, man, what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. I'm not saying it's perfect. I see myself using the saddle on most of my private land deer hunts and all of my public land deer hunts. And there's two places, one place, actually, I'm sorry, in, at the farm that I hunt that I'm going to definitely have a tree stand. But that's more because it's not saddle friendly than it is because I prefer the stand, if that makes sense. Yep. Totally. I had the. I had the lone wolf. Um, well, you, I know you've had Jason Sam Kobiak on. I had his whole setup. I modeled it after him. Uh, and it just didn't work for me. Like, it's just a lot of stuff to carry in the woods. And so I've been going more and more primitive. Like, my, I was thinking tonight, my favorite thing right now is taking just my Super D and a back quiver uh, with a few snacks or whatever else in it or a light backpack and just going out in the woods and seeing what might happen. Like, that is that has been a real hoot to get into. And I'd never really done that until the last six months. Yeah. Um, so the saddle is so much less stuff to wear, right? You just wear it. Like I could see myself wearing it from the truck. That's what I do usually or wear <laughs> it from the boat if I boat in. And then I'm currently using two lone wolf sticks with a uh, triple aider on one of the lone wolf sticks that lets me get, I think I can get to 13 feet with all of that. And yeah. that's higher. That's higher than I usually hunt. Anyways, I usually hunt, eight to 10 feet if I find some cover to, to climb up into. And I've had, sure. I haven't been busted yet. Um, I'm sure I will be, but so far so good. Um, but the, the shot angle is better and, and all that. But man, the biggest deal has just been psychological. Aside from like the, the lightness of it all, psychologically, I feel so much more secure with the saddle than I ever did with the stand. Uh, yeah. So it's probably equal, equal parts hassle and safety factor. One thing I'm going to look into I'm probably going to do it, actually. I just haven't spent the money yet. There's this uh, Warren Womack. Um, I'm sure you heard of him, but he really promotes the use of a, a hand drill with lag bolts, mm -hmm. a specific drill. I'll probably actually do that for, for my the farm that I hunt on and yeah. go in and pre-drill a bunch of trees in August because I love kind of the sneak attack of just keeping the deer on their feet uh, or on their toes because we can't bait legally there. And, uh, so, you know, and people like there's ag fields, so I can try to play off how they get to and from those ag fields, but I like just moving around to different spots because last year I made the mistake of putting out some permanent stands and I had a trail cam by one. And literally every time the big buck would come to the Creek to drink, he'd look at the stand. <laughs> like, is he there? Oh. Uh, like even before season, like looking pretty back smart. At the picture. Yeah. yeah. And so. I love the idea of just being in a different tree every time and it's, it's quiet. I'm so much quieter getting up a tree with the saddle than I am with, uh, with the stand and stuff. And if I had those pre-drilled log bolts, I think I could be dang near silent. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, kind of, he's, yeah, he's big on that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging the saddle, even with the long bow, it works fine. Um, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but you know, you put all your Kafaro, I use Kafaro and all of their pockets, go into the molly straps on that xc cruiser or yep. cruiser xc and so i've got everything i need right there and i've got like a little bitty backpack uh to carry my sticks on um but yeah that it's working really well for me i don't see myself going away from that and i'm guessing 
I'll probably just go ahead and run this Super D with the Selway 3 arrow and then also maybe have a cat quiver. I may do a cat quiver. I don't know if you've seen one of those, but mm -hmm. they're kind of a they're kind of a backpack with a quiver in them. I may do that if it, if I can find one that'll carry my tree sticks, um, just to have some extra arrows. I would I told again like the failure is never ending, and, and so is the humility. I was telling Tavis Robert Rogers the other day, like a week and a half ago. Um, he said I've needed more than three arrows many times when he saw my three arrow quiver, and I was like, well, the day I get more than one shot on an animal. We'll talk. And then yesterday, I would have loved to have had a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you not like a, a quiver on your bow normally, or love a bow quiver? I, I normally because I, I like it for it. the mass weight. I like it for the balance. You know. Yeah. So I normally don't mind it at all. The reason I've gotten away from it is on this particular style of bow, the Super D, which is kind of like an ASL. I really like how swift it feels without a quiver like it just mm -hmm. it's really feels nice now my wingered i would never run my wingered without a bow quiver um and so I, I don't have anything against the bow quiver it's just that that super d felt really natural without it uh, but after yesterday's thing it's like well literally yesterday if i had my bow the bow quiver right on it it would have made um at least a five yard difference on those hogs on that first shot because they kind of got a little nervous and moved away by the time I got an arrow out of that safari tough quiver. Yeah. And so I just learned a hard lesson of have an arrow right on your bow, um, which I get yeah. that it's obvious. You, you don't want to go Winchester with just, you know, after one shot, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, it, you know, no, I don't have anything against the bow quiver. Uh, and I've actually yeah. had them all. I've had Thunderhorn, Selways, Great Northerns are all great. Um, this one Drew gave me is perfect for the Super D. Not gave me, I bought it, but the one he built for me is perfect uh, for the Super D. So I'll just run that with three arrows and then maybe have some backups in the quiver. The Safari yeah. Tough. Yeah. Have you tried the saddle? Yeah. So I've been um, using the, the Tacta saddle now for a few years. I haven't shot anything out of it because um, okay. I've, I've I've been other than like rifle season I've been I've been I've been trying for like four years with the stick bow right so I've been I've been deerless with a bow for like four years um so but I I love that thing so I went everything from like the one sticking to the you know the multi-sticking with the aiders to um you know last year I decided to try the uh, tree stand again because I'm not comfortable in tree stands at all either uh, I'm just I just don't feel secure um, so I got the Novix Hilo, which, you know, is, is good, but it could be a little bit wider because, you know, your boots rub on the cables. It's still too narrow. Um, there's no perfect thing for me. You know, I've talked about this like a billion times. So I won't go like too deep into it, but I mean, I, I can't do all the things that I want to do in a saddle. I can't do all the things that I want to, you know, at least like hang on the side of the tree that I want to hang on. If the, if the, if the tree has, has a bit of a lean to it, you know, cause you're a pendulum. Mm -hmm. Um, and with a tree stand, a nice adjustable tree stand, you can, you know, get around some of that a little bit better, but it's, it's still trying to shoot out of a tree stand. And I have like limb clearance issues with my lower limb, you know, um, cause I like to be close to the tree cause I don't like being like, you know, far away on the edge of that platform at all. Yeah. I just don't feel comfortable yeah. out there. So I'm like a tree hugger when it comes to that. And it creates more problems when I'm close to the tree. Like if it was a compound, no big deal. You just kind of like right, right up flush to the parallel to the tree trunk and you know boom done it's it's you know easy peasy but uh with a cant and with longer limbs and stuff it's just you know so um i think this year i'm i'm, I'm still going to do like a combination of the two but um i've resigned myself to the fact that i feel more comfortable in a saddle and i've tried both of these options to get into the, the, with either option 
I still can't get into every single tree with with that, that I want to, depending on the on the on the lean and stuff. So um, I'm probably going to choose the option, the easier option of, um, you know, uh, easier to move around, lighter weight, that kind of stuff. So it'll probably be back with the saddle again, but I, I might just go back to just you know hauling like three full length sticks. You know, I've got I've got a kafar shape charge here. I can strap them onto that. Um, you know, with aiders, and I I only, I only get to like 14, 15 feet anyway. Um, mm. could do the one stick thing, but then you got all these extra ropes for, um, first of all, climbing, climbing sucks, especially if it is a leaning tree, climbing sucks when you're doing, uh, the one stick thing. Um, mm. and I did that for the last few years. So it's a lot, lot easier when you can just strap on a bunch of steps and just, just zip right up, you know, and then, but of course, but you're carrying three sticks with you. So I think that's gonna, I'm going to at least, you know, start, you know, my season that way, kind of like a hybrid, just, saddle and three sticks and you know not have to deal with the stand and um just try to pick the best tree that i can you know yeah um whether you're doing a mobile tree stand or or saddle there's so many little parts of the system to figure out and to test um and so and i've got to do some more of that coming into the summer but i I don't know i i'm i just think the saddle's so much you can handle shooting out of it and i think it's important that people shoot make sure they can shoot out of it but if you can shoot okay out of it um it's so much less stuff to carry oh i, I, mean, I shoot better out of that than i do in, in a tree stand because i feel more stable you know um in a tree stand i'm sense. always worried about you know worried yeah. about is it tippy is it you know and, yeah. and, it, and it's a solid tree stand it's a nice tree stand it's not you know like it's wobbling everywhere but it's just it's just mental it's just me you know yeah no it's um and you can saddle is pretty like that buck that i shot um, if you can imagine, I'm facing the tree. He came in from my right. So he, I don't know what that's called. That's that strong side. Weak, well, I don't remember what they call him. That'd be a weak side, yeah. Yeah, so I've got to get, well, the way that the tree was, I couldn't swing around it because of branches. So I had to turn around with my rope across my stomach, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, and that's how I shot. And it was fine. It didn't obstruct me or anything. And I had to watch him for a few minutes before I got the shot. But um the one thing I've got to figure out on my sticks is I got this uh, Eastern Woods Outdoors or DoubleSteps.com, whatever. They they sell this little, I don't remember what they call it, but it's a cinch strap for your stick that doesn't have any buckles. Like it's it's not a Prusik knot, but it's, um, uh, I should have looked it up. But um, anyway, I, I, know, I know I know which one, yeah. Yeah, it's a little Amsteel loop that, you just it's kind of like a pruce if you wrap it around the throw it around the tree hook it on and just slide it and it tightens mm-hmm. and that thing is that thing is slick i got those after the season this year and i'm excited to use those but then i also picked up one of his triple steps that drops down um and my sticks i use b sticks they're too close to the tree for that triple step to really be accessible to your toe like if that makes sense if i'm wearing my rubber boots i really yeah. i need to i wish the stick stuck further out from the tree so i actually may have to sell the bee sticks even though i love them just to get a stick that sticks further out from the tree so that my foot can actually get in there because i'm gonna end up falling if i try to do that um there's just no purchase for my toes <laughs> yeah um, the, it doesn't dangle it doesn't dangle exactly. far enough like, out of the tree to, like yeah inches from the bark yeah it's a real problem so just again it depends on the angle of the tree yeah <laughs> well that's true if it was leaning towards me it'd be different but yeah, yeah um, i don't know the saddle thing's cool probably the biggest thing i've been trying to figure out is like arrows and broadhead like where i want to be on in that space yeah um but there's there's a ton of things to experiment with 
That's the fun part. <laughs> it is. It is. And I feel like I'm there. I feel like I've, you know, there's tabs, gloves, carbons, micros, standard diameters, aluminums, wood arrows, four fletch, three fletch, five inch, two inch, <laughs> two blade, three blade. Like there's all these mm-hmm. different options to go through. Gap, three under, um, you know, whatever. And I feel like I've crammed a lot into three years, but I really, I mean, knock on wood, I might, it could change, right? Uh, if you follow me along, it could change fast. But um, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting where my, where I want to be. Like, I feel like I'm really enjoying, I'll put it to you this way. Um, I, I, I really feel like I am going to have success this fall, um, even with, the baby's coming. I'll find time to get out in the woods at some point. But uh, I feel like I'm putting the pieces together. And um, it's been a lot of fun, even though it's also been incredibly frustrating. Yeah. That's uh, pretty much my 100% exact thoughts on on, on all of it. You know, um, it's frustrating not being able to shoot anything. I mean, you know, my, my thing has been, I, I just can't get out at the times that I need to get out, you know, just, yeah, I've heard um, you talk the way, about the way, kids. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that's not to say that if I was that I'd have a stack in here, I'm not uh, any way saying that I'd be able to, just cause I'm in those spots doesn't necessarily mean someone, something's going to come by and then I'm actually going to make a good shot on it. Um, yeah. I'm just saying that I've gotten really in, I'm kind of patting myself on the back here and I'll, and I'll, but I've gotten really, really good at hunting, right. Being like finding the places where I, I need to be. It's just, I got to leave when I need to be there. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. I, mean, I think it's just all, yeah, it's all, it's all going to the data bank, man. You know, that's the thing is if you can learn from it, then I feel like there's a, I hope, I mean, I hope there's a tipping point where once you've put all these pieces in place, you start to have more and more success. And yeah. I've seen that actually. I, I, that's not, I know that that's true. Like when I look at how many opportunities I had on deer last fall and turkeys this spring and, you know, it's a combination of being out in the woods, just being there and being smart about it when you're out there, but also putting the pieces together. Like when I look at the number of animals I've gotten within 50 yards on in the last four years, yeah, it, it's, you know, I could have had a lot of animals on the ground if I wasn't using the weapon that I'm using. And I don't say that because I, I'm not saying I wish I had the other weapon. I'm saying sometimes I need to remind myself that, hey, doing a lot more right than wrong. Yeah. Right? Um, and I would say the same to you, like you can't control the fact you can get when you can get in the woods. So you got to yeah. just try to learn from mistakes if you do make them. And then eventually they all, all the cards fall in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. We're uh, going over now, almost an hour and 20 here. Is anything else you want to kind of touch on here or uh, no, are we man, forget are we not talking about anything that's, uh, you know, are, are you uh, it's like same hunting plans this year? Any, any, any kind of special trips you're planning or? Uh, well, I had, I had applied from, I should have drawn my Wyoming elk tag this year, but I'm going to have to uh, withdraw the application because of the twins. So um, the only hunting I'll realistically get to do this fall is um, tr- I may, may get to hunt in mid-september uh the missouri season opens in september so i might get to hunt like the opener up there i honestly really don't even like the only reason i would do that is because 
it's maybe the last time I get to hunt before the twins are born, but mm-hmm. I don't really like hunt. It was so hot last September that I said I probably wouldn't do that again. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. when it's 90 degrees and mosquito fest and spiderweb yeah, fest, fun, like, yeah. it, it just wasn't that fun. Um, it made me really miss September in Colorado. But yeah, I, I would say that just whitetail is all I'm going to be doing this fall. And I don't even know if it'll be very much, but I'll I'll find some time to get out. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of the plan for me. Uh, same with uh, turkeys here for me. I'm I'm kind of on the maybe like one day a week yeah, program here, and I haven't seen anything. I mean, like nothing. I've hit all the same spots that I uh, that I normally go to that I've typically seen turkeys that are you know turkey hotspots that I've had opportunities on, and I haven't seen a single bird. You know, maybe again I, I I'm relegated to you know ten to two, two thirty maybe, and that's it. Like one day a week, so. Um, I'm well, so I can tell you for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I don't know, again, I'm just telling you what I've experienced, but, um, I think I, I've had some random luck, um, a little later in the morning on, on turkeys, um, all the way up through like that 12, 31 o'clock hour, but you just gotta be moving a lot. So like what I would do, and again, I don't know, I'm not saying that I know very much, but what I would do if I were limited to your time window where I could only go from these times is I would probably never go to this. I would almost take a Jason Sam Kobiak way of turkey hunting or deer hunting or whatever and never go to the same place twice and just oh, play the oh, game. I haven't. I haven't. Okay, okay, uh, I've hit different okay. spots every time. Yeah. And I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when the hens bugger off, you know, to go nest and exactly. you know, the toms still are kind yeah. of horny and looking around, I'm. And that's when I've typically had my, you know, my counters, but, um, yeah, not, not, not so far this year, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. and it's been really weird this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it picks up, uh, I typically, I mean, it's, it typically stays pretty active, like through May, you know, and our, our, our archery season is through May. So, you know, I've got, I've got time to get out still. Yeah. It may just be too early. Um, okay. Well, good luck to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't even struck up any gobbles. Like normally even, they don't really gobble midday much, but I've, I've still had them gobble midday. Right. And I, and I haven't heard anything distant gobbles or anything like that. This, this what are you trying couple to do times. To, what are you doing to get them to go off? Uh, just, just a hen call. Oh man. Get you a crow call for sure. Uh, See, I've never, I've never had, okay. I, so I haven't had a crow call, but I mean, I've tried, like like owl hooting and you know um like crow you know just like vocalization or whatever right i've never had turkeys actually shock gobble um uh, especially like even in the morning going. when they're in a the rooster or whatever yeah. right well that so i'm not as big of a fan of it in the morning again i'm yeah. not an expert turkey hunter but i've been on i've been on enough turkey hunts to, to see what i what has seemed to work for me and what hasn't worked the mid-morning and later morning stuff the crow calls where it's at I've got a buddy, uh, yeah, Stefan swears by the crow call, like, early morning, like, way, way early in the morning. I've never really done that, but definitely, I have had many gobblers uh, gobble back, like, post-8, 9 o'clock, post 12 o'clock a couple years ago, to the crow call. And then really? once you, yeah, so it definitely works. Like, you need to just keep trying it, because it will eventually work. We actually used to, in Colorado, and this works, uh, we used to use an elk bugle um and that'll get them to shot coggle and that's like really natural out you know it's random but i don't think it sure. realizes it's not september uh <laughs> we would actually use uh, uh yeah elk bugles and that actually will get them to shot co- gobble as well but just keep trying it because it definitely does work like i think you're gonna have because the nice thing about that is if you're out there hen calling at like 10 30 in the morning a lot of gobblers come in silent 
And so the nice thing That's about true. the pro call. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And so yep, nice I find that to be the case too. Yep. You know, they're there. Then you get in close set up and try it. But it, whereas doing what you're doing, you actually might be calling turkeys to you. You just don't know it. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I try to sit and wait long enough to see because I've, I, yeah, I, I've, I've had that happen before too, and I know that like they're they're not as, uh, they're not as active as far as like like vocal, you know. But then all yeah. of a sudden, like they're, you know, there's one, you know, coming in, and and you didn't even know it, you know. It's so, I'm expecting that. It's just, uh, uh I, I, it hasn't, I haven't seen one, yeah. you know. Well, get you try it out. I, let me know if you get one to go because it's fun when you get a shot gobble, man. Like it's it's just kind of. Yeah. I remember the first time it worked. I was with Stefan the first time it happened. I was like, "Huh, that actually worked." Like, I never would have. <laughs> I, I never would have thought that would work, but it actually did work. And we got. I mean, yeah. It, it, so yeah, definitely uh, keep giving it a try. And it doesn't have to be the crow call, but I find it to be probably the easiest obnoxiously loud noise uh, to make. Like right. the the hoot owl yeah. works, but. I don't like it in the middle of the day personally. Who down in the middle of the day? You no, know, no, that's, that's not a, that's, that's, that's not kind of weird, right? It's unnatural, yeah. but yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so now, well, uh, anything else? Yeah. Where, where, where's everyone going to follow you? Oh, that's actually set on private, but uh, I can turn it. I can try to remember to turn it off. It's a guy with a stick bow. Or they don't have to follow you if, if they want. No, it's fine. <laughs> your, 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 Insta, yeah, your, your Instagram is where I kind of uh, watch your stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll make it. It's not a being secretive. Really. It's just, uh, I just leave it on private most of the time, and people follow me. And I, I mean, I always approve people that want to follow me or whatever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I can try to set it to follow. But it's just guy with a stick bow. I was trying to just think of a uh, – that's just what I am. I'm just a dude playing around with archery crap and posting – my, what works what doesn't and rapidly changing my opinion on things yeah no i it, didn't it's 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 entertaining to uh it's entertaining to to watch because you're constantly posting stuff like well that didn't work here's what i learned today boom 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 <laughs> you know and it's like well yep okay <laughs> the good and the well, bad and so all right man well, leave... oh yeah go ahead no no, no fine finish up stuff that's uh if it's a post stories and i it's funny i feel bad because I, I make like ridiculously long stories and i didn't maybe didn't mean to but by the end of the day there's like 20 stories um but i try to leave it if it's a post that's probably something that really did work and i and i leave it alone because it still works but like if i try something and it just doesn't work then it dies with the story usually <laughs> oh that's right yeah you only get 24 hour so yeah yeah all right man so, um stick uh stick around here while i uh when we finish recording here so thanks for coming on i really appreciate it this worked out fantastic because you couldn't do it till late at night anyway neither could i so um that's 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 always a bonus in my book because it's kind of hard to do um so yeah everybody you know go check out you know guy with a stick bow um super cool stuff and definitely go check out the boning soul po uh, podcast no yeah leave a rating for the podcast and uh the youtube channel and all that stuff um and i actually just started on tiktok believe it or not the other day um taking the advice of some people here i don't know if you follow the okay as hunter those guys uh are really really big on hitting all kinds of social media so i've been kind of talking to them a little bit and like they're like no you got to do this 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 and this so uh tiktok youtube shorts i'm just going to kind of constantly trade on, on putting some stuff out there with with that to just to kind of get some more reach so um any uh any likes shares subscribes ratings all that stuff is really really greatly appreciated so uh with that said um i'll talk to you guys next time thanks